Uh, tonight, uh, I want to talk about joy being contagious. Sunday morning, the message of Mother's Day is uh, women, uh, hand, a handmade uh, treasure or a handmade blessing. Women, a handmade. Uh, how wonderful is that? Man, he breathed into his nostril, but a woman, he didn't manufacture her out wholesale. He handmade her. How many are thankful for that? I mean, the stitching on a woman is perfect. You agree? So we're going to have a wonderful time with that Sunday morning. Uh, and Nehemiah 8, uh, verse number 10 says, uh, Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not grieve, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And so since the message deals with joy and be contagious, that, that our joy ought to be contagious. It ought to be one where we wake up every day and we, we train our mind to say today is going to be a great day. Today is going to be a wonderful day. Today is going to be uh, a successful day in the Lord Jesus Christ. And we just claim that. But uh, there's some things often, and I, I love to share this with you, that you never hear in church. And let me give you a couple of them. Hey, it's my turn to sit in the front row. You just look. You don't, you don't ever hear that much. Or here was another. I was so enthralled, I never noticed, Pastor, that your sermon went 25 minutes over time. You just never hear that. Personally, I find witnessing much more enjoyable than golf. You don't ever hear that. Then I love it when we sing worship songs I've never heard before. We don't hear that much in church. A whole lot of other things that we could say. And um, we, we come to the conclusion, if we're going to joy and be just happy, uh, what is joy? So let me give it to you. It is a state of mind. It's hope instilled. It's a positive well-being. It's a delight in commitment and contentment. And there are at least four Hebrew words that talk about and relate to joy. And those four words, Hebrew words, one means joy at God's work or attributes. In other words, I have contentment in God's attributes. A second one, joy involves jubilant shouts. Uh, that's a Hebrew word, jubilant shouts. Joy is, wow, I'm excited. Here's a third one, joy of being enthusiastic. Enthusiastic, I get excited when I think about the attributes of God. And then the joy of joyful disposition. All of these things you don't have to be born with, but here's what we know. You might say, well, I wasn't born with that kind of stuff. But you know what? When you came to Jesus Christ, you, he opened the door for you. Behold, that old things are gone and all things became new. And in your weakness, he makes you strong. So he desires that you and I be excited, be joyful, be comprehensive about who he is and love him. And he said, that is the plan or a decision. There are three Greek words about joy, one that expresses our relationship with God. You think about that, I might be upset, I might be difficult, I might be angry, but when I think about what the Lord has done, here's another one that shares true joy in our hearts is the work of the Holy Spirit. It overcomes the human DNA and says through the work of the Holy Spirit, when I feel like going down, God picks me up 
by his grace. And then finally, the third one, one that relates to the joy of persecution. Well, imagine that, that even those in the Scripture, especially in the New Testament, they had a joy. Stephen would not let his circumstance get him down. He faced it and confronted it with the pleasure and joy in his heart. So joy, what is it? Let's take a look in 1 Peter 1, uh, verse number 8. It says, though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Though you've never seen God, you've never seen Jesus, you will. But he says, even though you haven't seen him, you believe you have the faith to believe, and that fills you with an inexpressible and glorious joy. Well, Robert Reed, you can Google him, he made this statement, I have everything I need for joy. And let's talk about him for a moment. Number one, his hands are twisted and his feet are useless. He can't bathe himself, can't feed himself, can't brush his teeth, comb his hair, or put on his underwear. Strips of Velcro holds his shirt together to keep it on him. His speech drags like a, a worn-out autocassette tape with low batteries. Robert has cerebral palsy. The disease keeps him from driving a car, riding a bike, or even going for a walk. That's the way it is for him. But it didn't keep him from graduating from high school or attending Abilene Christian University, from which he graduated with a degree in Latin. Having cerebral palsy didn't keep him from teaching at St. Louis Junior College or from venturing overseas on five missions trips. And Robert's disease didn't prevent him from becoming a missionary to Portugal. And when he moved to Lisbon, he moved there alone in 1972. Then he rented a hotel room and began to study Portuguese. He found a restaurant owner who would feed him after the rush hour and a tutor who would instruct him in the language. Then he stationed himself daily in the park where he distributed brochures about Christ. And within six years, he led 70 people to the Lord, one of whom would become his wife, Rosa. Robert spoke not long ago, and the individual said, as I watched them carry him and pick his wheelchair up and take him up the stairs, moving the wheelchair forward, setting him on the stage, and place the Bible in his lap, I watched his stiff fingers move the pages of the Bible, and people in the audience saw him in his condition, began to wipe their tears. Robert could have asked for sympathy or pity, but he didn't do that. He did the opposite. He held his hand up in the air and boasted, I have everything I need for joy. Everything I need for joy. What he said, my human condition would give me or anyone a license to be mad at the world. A license that would cause me to never drive, never walk, can't bathe myself, a license to be so angry at God, but he chose something different. And listen carefully, friend. Your disposition every day is a choice. 
you can lean on and say, well, you just don't understand what I'm going through or what I'm facing or the situation, but you choose how you're going to function on a daily basis. Are you going to let some twisted circumstance in your past rob you today of the joy and the presence of God and the happiness of life? Are you going to let a previous broken heart that caused you to crash emotionally, are you going to continue to let that be present today to rob you of knowing what it means to say, I have a lot to be thankful for? You see, our world has been duped into believing that joy or fulfillment can be purchased or it can be materially owned or bargained or compromised for or found in the next satisfying moment oh if i can get to there if i had that if i could purchase that if change would come my way i want you to know i think i could really say god i've got it all now ecclesiastes 2 verse 10 says and and moving there for after that i did not denied myself nothing my eyes desired i refused my heart no pleasure my heart took the light in all my work, and this was the reward for all my labor. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And whoever loves money never has money enough. And whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As good increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on them? Seven million plus people today are taking medication for depression. Loneliness has become an epidemic in our country because people in the culture are trying to build a life on the wrong foundation. And unfortunately, in the church today, people don't get it that God is supposed to be everything and more, that our lives are supposed to be formed by the knowledge of that relationship, that our disposition as a believer should be one that, in fact, is contagious. A child laughs approximately 400 times a day on average, while an adult laughs about 15 times a day. And if laughter is supposed to be good, why is it that we don't laugh anymore? It's because we do not give ourselves the permission that we need to say, God, I'm really burdened. I, I, I have a lot, God, I'm going through, but I'm not going to let it be stolen by the enemy. The believer, that's you and me, have forgotten the strengths and benefits of the foundation of one relationship that we have in the Lord. So we find Peter stepping to the plate in 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. Notice what it says. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead. And even though the going is rough for a while down here, these trials are only a test of your faith to see whether or not it is strong and pure. It is being tested as fire tests gold and purifies it. And your faith is far more precious to God than mere gold. So if your faith remains strong after being tried in, in the test tube of fiery trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor 
on the day of his return. Think about it. Peter said, the foundation of your faith is you love him though you have not seen him and you trust him with your life and everything that surrounds you called circumstances. And you put it there and say, God, I trust you. David, the psalmist said in Psalm 16 verse 8, I have set the Lord before me or always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices my body also will rest secure that is a proactive scripture that says this is what i'll do i've set the lord before me always always well sometimes life is difficult you agree to that say amen sometimes you can't control the circumstances an old country preacher it got fed up to hear Fed up with one thing after another. He thought, you know, I haven't been hunting in a while, so I'm going to go hunting. And on Sunday morning, he decided to go hunting, bear hunting. So he went up in the mountains where he was told the bear would be, etc. And he's walking through the trail. He feels a little guilty because he's not at church that morning. He's just kind of reacting to, to his emotion. And he goes out and he, he runs smack dab into a huge bear. And when he does, it scares him so bad, the bear rises up and the, and the preacher falls down a little ravine for a little ways as his rifle went one way and he went another. And when the bear, the bear was thinking, boy, when he saw him fall, the bear went charging after him. The preacher was conscious enough when he hit, he broke both of his legs. He could not get up and move and could not wiggle away. And the bear's coming and he cried out to God with all of his heart, God, please forgive me for not going to church this morning. God, please forgive me for not going to Wednesday night. God, please forgive me for not going to Sunday night church. God, please forgive me for not being in a small group. Please forgive me. I'm so sorry. But if you don't mind, God, God, quickly make that bear a Christian bear. And the old bear got right to him and skidded to a halt. Got down on both knees, put his paws together, and prayed, Dear God, please bless this food I am about to receive. You knew that was coming, didn't you? Bless this food I am about to receive. Well, if you have the joy, what is it that can steal it? You know, many people have joy, you know, here and a couple hours later down here. Uh, they have it one day and everything is good and, and then another day or one week or whatever the case. Mark four eighteen and 19, still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth. And the desire for other things come in, and notice this word, choke the word, making it unfruitful. Out of that, there are three prominent thieves for joy. Let's try them on for size together. Number one, worry. Let's deal with that. I know that none of you have worried about anything today at all. 
It's defined as an inordinate anxiety about something that may or may not occur, and most of the time it does not occur. So next time you ramp up to worry and you just let that drive you, motivate you, think about probably what you're worried about will not occur. The English word for worry comes from a German word, urgent, which means to struggle or to choke. Do you notice that our text in Mark 4, 19, it said the worries of life choke out the joy, choke out the joy that we should have in Almighty God? And often, why is worry present? Why do I do that? When you are worried, it throttles back your thinking because you can't think a creative thought. You can't think a wholesome thought or one that's settled because you're too busy allowing your mind to be jerked around through the power of worry. And then not only does it do that, it mentally harasses you. It mentally harasses you. You might have a moment of peace, forget it, talk to somebody on the phone, hang the phone up, and then write back to the same worry. And not only that, it's deficient in motivation. As long as you're worrying, you're not going to give your best foot. And we say because, here it is, anything that drains your tank of joy, something you cannot change, something that you cannot control, something that torments you, need to be switched from your worry list to your prayer list and leave it there. The second thief is stress. I know that none of you are stressed. I know that none of you faced any stress at all today. Amen? One amen. Stress is more acute than worry. It's an intense strain on a situation you cannot control or manage. The American Psychological Magazine said one-third of American adults are stressed out and worried that they're going to have and admit they're going to have a nervous breakdown before it happens. I'm going to have a nervous breakdown. Go ahead and give the enemy all the leverage he needs go ahead i'm just going to go ahead and have it well that's not god's divine will according to our scripture here's number three fear is another joy stealer fear is an emotion adam and eve were afraid why because out of their actions they sinned against god Fear is an anticipation of evil. Something bad is going to happen. Oh, God, something bad is going to happen. You remember Genesis 26? The individual Isaac took his uh, wife into town, and uh, Rebecca was absolutely beautiful. And he told her, said, if anybody asks you anything, tell them, tell them that you're my sister. Because here it is. She's my wife. She is my sister because they might kill me if they find out she's my wife. I am, I am in, anticipating a fearful circumstance. Fear of others' opinion. My friend, if you don't want anyone's opinion, don't ask. And then let me tell you something else. When you ask somebody's opinion and you're trying to make 
a worthwhile decision, don't ask those only that you know will agree with you. Be balanced enough to say, I'm going to ask them because I know they probably won't agree with me. And God, if they do, I'll consider that a miracle. You see, fear of others' opinions will pressure you often when you seek opinions. And may I tell you something? Here's the tool that we often use today to give us an opinion. Google it. Just Google it. It'll give you an opinion that you'll pull your hair out trying to figure out, well, this says this, this says this, this says this. And unfortunately, you know what we do? We Google before we pray. And I'm not, pray, I'm not saying, oh, God, I need you to move here in this situation. Amen. Amen. Get on Google. And you'll spend, before you know it, 30 minutes an hour Googling. And you spent 30 seconds in prayer. Now, that ought to be at least one amen out there somewhere. Why? Why? When you do that, here's what happens. You see, it will pressure you into making choices that you may not want to make at that time. Prayer will give you the confidence and enable you to feel a peace about what it is you need to talk about. Why? The Bible says perfect love casts out all what? All fear. We know that. Paul writes in Philippians 1 verse 6, being confident of this, that he who has begun a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of the Lord Jesus. Paul talks in Philippians, that wonderful joy chapter and book, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Rejoice. Worry about nothing and pray about everything i told sharon the other day and i don't i don't do that often why i sure need your prayers today i knew that i had a mammoth of decisions that i needed to make i had to give some counsel and god i i need your wisdom i don't want to give the wrong counsel i don't want to make the wrong decision I need God you to weigh in. And I said, you know, ramp up, ramp up the prayer. And she said, I sure will. And we prayed then. Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this, he who began the good work. You can stand on that word. Paul, sir, Paul writes in Philippians, rejoice always means worry about nothing, pray about everything. And then finally, he says, after you rejoice, relax. Relax. Philippians 4, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. The Lord is near. And then after you relax, how many of you find it real easy to relax? May I see your hand? If we go off for seven days, here's what happens with me. It takes me about three days to unwind one day to relax and then three days to start ramping up you got to come back anybody know what i'm talking about that's right you see i got this under control but here it is you have to rest you know rest some of us we you, you, it's it's all right to rest until 5 30 in the morning you don't have to get up at four you don't have to get up at 5. Wouldn't that be wonderful if you could rest at 5.30 in the morning? Huh? 
How many like 7 o'clock better? Yeah, I, I know. So here it is. Don't be anxious about anything, but everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Why? Because God is on guard for your benefit. And John writes in John 16, 33, I've told you these things so that in me may you have peace that passes all understanding. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. In other words, everything that you face that you would worry about that would try to steal your joy, God said, I'm already ahead of you. I know you got trouble, but I've already taken care of it and managed it so that you, in fact, will come through. Three steps to victory. Let me give them to you. Number one, feed your mind positive thoughts. That's Philippians 4.8. I'm going to think positive things. Feed your mind positive. But I'm so angry I could rip their head off. Oh, yeah, Pastor. That's positive thought. But I'm positive I'd like to rip their head off. That's not what I'm talking about. It's positive thoughts. God, you got this under control. God, you are going to bring healing. God, healing is not always healing of a physical challenge. Sometimes healing is slipping into the presence of the Lord. God, you work it out with that boss man that's so messed up and so evil and so ungodly. I, I know you got it. I'm not going to let him ruin who I am in you. I'm going to think positive thoughts. I'm going to pray for him. Number two, focus your attention on encouraging role models. Find you somebody. We always talk about Sister Hicks. There are plenty of other people around here that you can think about and say, I want to I look at them as a role model, an encouraging role model. Philippians 4.9, Paul says, whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. Paul says, look at me. Go ahead and adopt what I do, my lifestyle. Look at me. Let it be an adopt a positive role model. That's for sure. And then find the God of peace in every circumstance. In every circumstance, Paul's long enough to say, this is a bear. This is a Goliath. Yes, this is a major challenge financially, etc. But God, out of it, I'm going to believe some way or another Something good will come out. Finally, joy, what a delight. How many of you know people that just are contagious with joy and happy and seem to have a good, good spirit and disposition? Do you know anybody like that? Come on, give me a few hands up. I'm, then let me ask this. We'll get all of you now. How many of you know some old grumpy person that their disposition is angry and you, you just don't even want to be around them? Now, you know anybody like that? I mean, you're seated beside him. No, don't, don't. <laughs> Philippians 4.11. Paul says, I'm not saying this because I am in need. For I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. And I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through whom? Him who gives me strength. 
I look at you, some of you, and I know you're facing challenges. Some of you are facing challenges financially, some physically, some relationally and in relationships. But here's what I do know, that he will give us strength to be able to have the right disposition and to be filled with the joy of the Lord. We know what our ministry is. It's the same thing that Jesus said his was. And we know in Isaiah the prophet declared it. He said, listen, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me. He has anointed me to preach good news to the poor, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom to those that are captives, and to release from darkness those that are prisoners. That's what we do. That's what we rejoice in, that we delight in, is to declare the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you can never give away what you don't have. And you will never give more wisdom than what you're willing to study for and to believe God for. And you know where the deepest river of wisdom is, is often in the greatest challenges of your life. When you know the devil is after you, and you know that it would be easier to throw your hands up and just say, I'm just going to cry myself to death. Rather than say, God, I don't understand this. I'm claiming your word. You see, little children are so wonderful, aren't they? Because they never see what reality might be. Remember, Bombeck tells a story about a little boy in church with his mother. Ordinarily, he was a good little boy and quiet and well-behaved. Aren't you grateful for those kind of kids? He didn't cause any problem, but every once in a while, he'd just stand up in the pew and turn around and look at the people behind him and smile really big. Well, she's trying to listen to the pastor. and His smile was infectious, and soon everybody behind him was starting to smile because you just couldn't smile when you looked at his little face and him smiling from ear to ear. It was all going really well until mom woke up and realized what he was doing. What did she do? She grabbed him by his ear, twisted it a little bit, and told him to sit down and to remember that he is in church. Then he started sniffling and crying, tears. She turned to him and whispered, that's better. That's better. You know what the enemy will tell us every time? Hey, it's better to choose to be unhappy, to be worried, to be stressed. It's better to let the burden that you face weight you down. It's better to give yourself permission to be abstract. It's better to run away and hide. It's better. It's better because you have your right to feel the way you feel. But Jesus' word says this in Proverbs 15, 13, a happy heart makes the face cheerful, but heartache crushes the spirit. And Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine, but a crushed spirit dries 
up the bones. Heavenly Father, we praise you, we rejoice in you, and we thank you. We thank you because we have heard the word tonight, a word that we're not ashamed of, a word that we believe in, a word, God, that we all now have an opportunity to think about. And so, God, if there's some of us in here that we've been giving ourselves permission just to be mean or just to be irritable or just to be down and out all the, all the time and giving ourselves permission that we deserve that, well, Lord, that's not plead. The spirit man in us is not happy when our carnal mind shortchanges the avenue for us to be able to rejoice. And God, there's nothing in our life that ought to remain in our lives very long at all that would not let us bask in the sunlight of the power of God's Holy Spirit and to be able to rejoice. In the name of Jesus, speak to every heart, minister to every need. Would you stand tonight? And let's just pause for a moment. Those of you listening online and those of you that's here tonight, and let's just think about it. Maybe you've been failing God and maybe, maybe I have described you as we preach the word and you know it. And you know what the enemy is trying to do to get you to defend your actions Get you to defend your actions or allow your mind to think, yeah, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I just gave you the word. And you know what happens? If you begin to defend yourself in any of the activity that we described, then that's the pure devil. You have to say to him, no more. You have to say to him, I no longer will give myself permission to wallow in the circumstance of my present or my past. I choose Jesus in Jesus' name. So if you're here tonight and maybe you're not even saved, you don't even know the Lord, and you'd like to really dedicate and give your life to Christ, those of you online, I want to ask all of us in the room to repeat this prayer with me. Would you do that? Here we go. Dear Heavenly Father, Dear Heavenly Father thank you for Jesus. Thank you for Jesus. Lord Jesus, Thank you for forgiving me. Thank you for forgiving me. I admit I have sinned. I admit I have sinned. And I bow my heart and believe by faith. If I confess my sin, you will forgive me. So in Jesus' name, I believe I am forgiven. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. If you need prayer, we'll believe God for you. Maybe you've been going through the arena of fear, of depression, or anxiety. This is a good night to let God take it away. If you have a family member that's lost, doesn't know Jesus, running from God, you can bring them. If you have a physical problem, this is the time to come and let God let us anoint you with oil and to believe God that he is able. Amen. And you don't have to be afraid. As we sing, we'll wait for you to come before we give the benediction. Would you do that right now? I need
Can we raise our hands and sing it together? Shall we do that? Here we go, everybody. Father, I thank you tonight for this wonderful people in this service and those listening online. Your word was shared, and I pray that, that we will take it head on, that we will ingest it into our spirit, man, because we believe that truly God, our spirit, man, is the representation of Jesus Christ, and greater is he that it is in us than the powers of darkness that would weaken us, threaten us, and God calls us to worry. I pray in your name that we'll not be afraid and not be driven by fear or the opinion of others, but God will rise up in the faith that comes in the Lord and give us the strength that we need to say, God, today, tonight, right now, I'm gonna be the kind of reflection of the peace and power of the Holy Spirit. Let it be so in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Shake somebody's hand. Tell them you're glad they're here. And God bless you tonight.